So, like I said, tonight uh, we'll be in our, our second week of our Knowing God series. Um, last week, we talked about the fact that there are people that claim to know God, but don't actually have a personal relationship with Him. We looked at the Pharisees, and we looked at um, how they knew a ton about God. They knew a lot of facts. They knew a lot of information, but they didn't actually know God personally. And so we went through these seven woes, these seven different things that um, God or Jesus was telling them um, uh, about who they were that proved that they actually didn't have a relationship with Him. And so my, my big push to you guys last week was, was to make sure that you actually have a real genuine relationship with Christ. That it's not just head knowledge, it's actually heart knowledge. That God has, has come and He's rescued you and you've had this moment of salvation. Um, that's what defines a true Christian somebody that has been born again. Um, tonight, before we, we dive heavy into the characteristics of God and really start to, to unravel all that there is to know or that can be known about God, I want to ask a, a question, um, rhetorical, obviously, um, but it was one that, that hit me as I studied for this series. And it's because I've heard so many people say this. So the question is, can you actually know God? Can you actually know Him? Because I, I hear the argument all the time is, well, we're just, we're just humans. You know, we can't wrap our brains around God. He's so big. He's so infinite. How can you know Him? How can you understand Him? How can you really wrap your, wrap your brain around Him? And so the question that, that kept coming up is, you know, as, as we go through this series of, of knowing God, can we actually know Him? Is it possible to understand him, to understand his characteristics, to understand what he would have us to do, his desires, his intimacy. Is, is, it, is it the same as me having a relationship with, say, Blake? Like, I can know Blake. Um, can I know God that way? And if not, how can I know God? There's a, there's a lot of questions in that. So before we jump into his characteristics and, and really trying to, to break apart the God that we serve, I, I want to prove scripturally and, and, and walk through scripturally what it's like to genuinely have a relationship with God. How much can we know? How do we know God? So that's what we're going to be tonight. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump, into, um, we'll jump into Romans. Father, God, I, my, my biggest fear for tonight is that I would say something out of arrogance. <clears throat> I would say something out of ignorance. God, that I would claim more than is actually true. Father, so I pray that you would guard my tongue, you would guard my mind, you would guard my heart. <clears throat> God, you would help me speak only what is truth. That you would speak through me boldly. God, and that the people in this room would walk away with a better understanding of what it really looks like and what, what it means to know who you are. How much of you can we know? God, I, I pray that this would lay a foundation for the rest of the series. That it would also complement the things that we've been talking about on Sunday morning well. You know, we've, we've looked at you, we've looked at Jesus, and today we looked at the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's, it's the same thing. Y'all are the same thing. Y'all are triune. Y'all are the Trinity. God, so as we, we look to break apart one, we, we really break apart all three of you to know better and to understand better. 
God, so I pray that's what this series would do and I pray that's what tonight would do. God, so please just speak through me, God, and we'll give you all the glory and all the honor for it. In your name I pray, amen. Um, so we're gonna start in Romans 1, then we're gonna jump over to John 14, and then we're gonna come back to Romans 11. I usually don't like to preach this way, but for tonight and probably for the rest of the series, this is the way that I'm gonna have to present it because it's kind of a, a little bit here and there. Um, <clears throat> But Romans 1. Um, Romans is a very, very difficult book to understand. It's a very challenging book, full of lots and lots of questions. But I believe that out of the gate, it answers one very well. Um, and the context of it is, is, is Paul here is, is talking about lost people and about how they're without excuse. But I, I think we can take what Paul is saying about people in the world and apply it to us as well because there's, there's deep truth in it. Um, so he's talking about how all people in the world are without excuse of knowing God because he's given enough. And so we see that in verse 18, chapter one, verse 18 says this, or chapter one, verse 18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men who by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. This is where I want us to camp out for a little bit. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. And so what this is saying to give you context, because we always have to stay in context. Context is, is super important. What Paul's saying here is, you've got people that are unrighteous, ungodly. They're always gonna be, they always have been. And the argument comes up, sometimes, what about those people? What about people that have never heard God? What, if, what about those people that you know, live in the, the tribe out in the Amazon that, that have never heard the name of Jesus? And Paul says here that they are without excuse because... What can be known about God has been clearly perceived. So nature, everything that's created, has clearly shown that there is a God, there is a creator. So that's the context that we're talking about here. That's what Paul is talking about. But I want us to notice what Paul is saying in this. And I, I want to break it down in, in, in just a few pieces here. It says, in verse 19, it says, For what can be known? That's important, for what can be known. So Paul, Paul is saying in this verse that, that you cannot know absolutely everything about God. We cannot understand his mind. We can't understand his full wisdom. We can't understand his full, full plan. So he, he even starts off, he said, what can be known? And then he says this about God is plain to them. So the things that we can understand the things that we should understand, the things that we can perceive should be plain to us. Should be plain to us. Because God has shown it to us. God has made the most, uh, he's, he's made all that can be known about him clear. He's presented it. Namely, and this is what, this is what Paul is gonna say we can know and we can see about God. It says, namely, his eternal power and his divine nature. And that's where I want to camp out for just a little bit. So 
Yes, his context is about lost people, but what Paul is saying is that there are two things that in creation, without hearing the gospel, just in creation, there should be two things that we can perceive. And if that's the case, if, if without those things, we can understand his character and we can understand his power, then with scripture, with the tools, with everything that we have, then we should even more be able to understand those two things. So his divine power, that's the first one, is clearly perceived and understood. And what that means is that God has allowed us to see and understand that he is God. He is creator. He is all-powerful. He is able to, to hang the sun and the moon and the stars exactly where they sit. He is able to, to make the leaves on the trees, and he's able to make them change colors in the exact same time. He's able to make you guys in the very, very crazy, awesome way that we're, we're put together. He's able to create and, and sustain ecosystems. Things as crazy as if we lost bees, all of us would cease to exist. Like a bee. Because they're so pivotal to the ecosystem, to the food chain. One animal hinges a great deal. God holds all those things together. And so what Paul is saying is, as you go and you see and you perceive things, it should be obvious that there is great power and there is great might in our Creator. When you see a sunset when you see the, the seasons change, when you see the, the great power of things like tornadoes, there's so much that is clearly seen about who God is. And so one of the things that I, I want you to understand is that God wants us to understand that he is a powerful, mighty, strong God. And that plays out in a couple different ways. He wants you to understand that because he wants you to understand that he has the power to send and decide where you go after you die. He is the ultimate judge. He is the ultimate rule. He is the one who is in charge of everything. And so when it's time for us to go, he has the power to hold us wherever we go. That there is a destination, that there is something that happens, that he is in complete and total control of that divine destination that we're, we're going to be at. He also wants you to understand that he is in control and can hold all things in his hands so that we don't have to worry. His power and his might is so much greater. His power and his, his understanding and, and, and his creation, he, he's got it under control. So there's nothing that we need to sit back and we need to worry or stress about about tomorrow or the months to come because it's all in God's hands. If he can create and keep the, the creative order in place, if he can take man and, and create them from dust and breathe life into it, how much more can he handle all the things that are happening in your life? How much more can he happen, uh, handle all the, the small, insignificant things that are happening day to day? It, it talks about, in the Gospels, it talks about how are we not much more than lilies and sparrows, who he cares about and clothes and feeds. They don't, they don't spin or toil. They don't, they don't go get their own food. They don't harvest. You've never seen a bird out there with a little mini hoe growing tomatoes. Like you've just never seen that because that's not how birds work. And yet God takes care of them and, and makes it to where they are able to eat and survive. 
the lilies, it says that they're clothed in, in, in better clothes than, than all of Solomon's temples. And Solomon was the greatest king, the most rich king. He had all the different stuff. And so if anybody was going to be great, it would be Solomon. And he's saying the, the lilies in the fields are clothed greater than anybody in his courts. And he's saying, so if, if I can create and manipulate and, and take care of all those things, then there's nothing that you guys need to worry about. I'm all-powerful, I am creator, I am, I am majestic, I am mighty. And if I can paint the sunset a different way every single night, then I can take care of the clothes on your back. So God wants us to see his power and understand that there is wrath, there is judgment in that power, but there's also hope, peace, and calm for our souls because he is strong enough and powerful enough to create. The next thing we see is, <clears throat> and this is my favorite part of this whole section here. It says, for what can be known about him is plain because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature. This verse says that all there is to know about God and his character, his nature, who he is, is clearly perceived. If, if it's that way in the natural world, if you can see that without Scripture, how much more so can we see it with Scripture? And so this unlocks a whole new door of opportunity for us in our relationship with God. Because now not only do you, do you just know His might and His power, but you can actually know the character of God. You can know His character. And what that means is you can, you can know what He's going to do in certain situations. Like, I know Gino. I know Gino. Lived with me for two years. And I can guarantee you, if you were to go, hey man, what do you think Gino would do right now in this certain situation? I could probably give you a pretty close answer about how he would respond or how he would react. Same way with Jamie. I've known Jamie for, what, 10 years, it feels like? Going on that? At least 10. At least 10. Can pretty much tell you what Jamie's going to do because I know the character that he has. I, I know where he stands. I know what he's like. I know I know the things that kind of make him tick. Blake the same way. We know what and Franklin definitely. It's the coolest thing with Franklin sometimes. Like me and him will be playing music, and because I know Franklin, it doesn't matter where he goes on the piano. I'm right there with him. I mean, it's happened multiple times. I know Franklin's character. I know where he's going. What that means for us in God, when we know God's character, then we can take that and apply that to all situations of our life. You may not know the scripture, but if you know God's character, you'll always know what God would expect of you. You find that from nature, but you find it also in scripture. We have the scripture, we have God's word. And if, if, if the lost creation, if the ones that have never heard God can know his attributes, how much more so can we? We can know all the things that there are to know about his character. So we can know and, and comprehend that he is unchanging. That's a part of his character. We can know and, and comprehend his grace. We can know his, his wrath and his judgment, his jealousy, his truth. We can know the, his omnipresence. We can know that he's everywhere. We can know that he's omniscient and he's omnipotent. We can know he's patient, good, he's compassionate, and that he's the author of salvation. We can know and see these things because that's part of his character. We know that God hates sin, so you don't have to have a specific verse. If you know what you're about to do with sin, then God's going to be against it every single time. 
You have to ask yourself, hmm, I wonder what God would have me to do in this situation that there's, there's a rift between. God is always for restoration. So you restore. God is always gonna be about forgiveness. God is always gonna be about love. God's always gonna be about a serious relationship with him. The scripture says that we can know his character. And guys, that's, that's what the rest of our series is gonna be on. We're gonna dive deep so that you guys can know his character. You guys can know what he is about. Because my belief is that if we can know the character of God, then we can apply that character of God every part of our lives. It's important. So Romans chapter 1 would say that there is a certain level that God has revealed himself that we can know. And so what that means for us, and I'm going to go through a couple more scriptures too, what that means for us is that we can never say, well, gosh, Solomon, God's way too big for me to understand and, and give ourselves a pass. Because that's what happens a lot of times. Well, scriptures are too hard to read, for me to read, man. I'll just, I'll just trust the pastor over there and, and he'll give me what I can understand because I'm, I'm just not smart like that. Or I just, I just can't read like that. I just, I, I just I can't do those things. And God, and you hear pastors say, man, God's so great. He's so big. He's so awesome. Who can know him? Who can know him? Who can know him? We can, apparently. I'm just quoting scripture. And we'll get into the pieces that you can. I'm not being dramatic. I'm just saying you can know him. And what happens is we give ourselves a pass to where we don't dive deep to try to understand our creator. We don't dive deep to try to understand the God that we say that we serve. And we talk all the time, well, man, I just don't know what God would say here. Well, we have access to that, and we should. The second thing, turn over to John 14. Second reason I believe that we can know God comes from the mouth of Jesus. So John chapter 14, um, I love John chapter 14. It's where we get our, our youth group name from. Um, there's just so much deep, deep truth in this. Um, <clears throat> and in verse, verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. So sh- he said, Philip's talking to Jesus. They're having this conversation. He says, Jesus, show us, show us the Father. Show us God, and that'll be enough for us. If you can just show us who God is, if you can just tell us who God is, if you can really explain this whole thing, then it'll be enough for us. And Jesus' response in verse 9 says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. Verse 7, he says, if you'd have known me, you would have known my Father also. And so Jesus, in this section, is saying, you want to know who the Father is? You want to know God? You want to know God, this, this great God? This, this, the, 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 I mean, in this context, he's talking to a Jewish guy, and, and, and they would have, God would have been everything for him. And, and Jesus says, you want to know God? Know me. You know me, because Jesus says in John 14 that he and the Father are one. So you want to know what God's like? You want to know what God's all about? You look to Jesus. 
So we've got creation screaming everything about God. We've got Jesus screaming everything about God. So we've got two different ways that we should see and understand who God is. There's more than enough evidence for what can be known about God. That's a big thing, for what can be known. We're without excuse. And guys, I, I know, I, and I'm, I'm gonna go off notes for a second. I know that, I can't see you guys good. I'm looking like through the mic. I know that you guys are a part of one of the tougher youth groups out here. We're not doing crazy pumpkin chunkins, which I'm not against. That seems like an awesome, fun idea. I know I'm a little aggressive with you guys. I am. I know I'm aggressive. I've been told by several people that I'm aggressive. And I hold you guys to a super high standard. But what I know is this. I would be doing you a massive disservice if I did not present with everything that I have who your creator is. How you can know him and know him intimately. I would be remiss if I didn't expect you guys as Christians, as believers, to get into your word. Because that's, that's, not, that's not a crazy thing. You say, you say you follow Christ. You say that he is your Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior means that you no longer have control of your own life. It means that he is in control of your own life. And it's probably a great idea for you to know who your Lord is. And so while I apologize for the aggression and the tone in my voice. I will not apologize for the passion I have for seeing you guys know who your father is. And Jesus says we are without excuse. God says we are without excuse. You have the tools to be as close to God as you wanna be. Because God's already revealed it. He's already shown it. He's, it's already out there. It has come to Netflix. You can watch it whenever you want to. In Jesus and his example and who God says he is through all of creation. So if you don't know who God is, it is your fault. Super, super harsh, super, super mean. I know it, but it's the truth. You guys can know God. You guys can know the God that created you. That's a big deal. There's no other religion that says, I will show you intimacy with the God that you serve. None. No other belief system. We have an intimate God, and you can have that relationship with him. Turn to Romans 11. Let's so wrap this thing up. That was quick. Hmm? That was quick. I told you it was going to be quick tonight. Who says I'm actually done, though? Pastor Lingo, for I'm almost done, could be like another 10 minutes. J-Ro said, I'm ready to get out of here. <laughs> okay. Hey, I was in Romans 1. We can just teach through this big thing. You'll be here for seven years, um, and I don't have all the answers. Um, Romans 11, verse 33. So I'm going to give a very, very brief context to chapter 11. Very brief. There's going to be holes in it. I'm just giving you the big picture here. Essentially, what Paul is doing is he's talking. <coughs> he's talking about the Jews and their rejection of God. 
And then he's talking to Gentiles about their acceptance of God. And he's talking about this giant master plan that by hardening the Jewish hearts, the, the, the hearts of the Jewish people, it actually enabled the Gentile people to be a part of the true believers of Christ. They were adopted in because of the hardening of, of the Jewish people's hearts. And then he kind of goes into this whole section about how the, the Jewish people have not been done away with, that they're actually going to have a softening, they're gonna come back to God, and, and that the Gentiles actually were designed to make the Jews jealous, to get back to their first love. There's, like, there's a whole section, and then it's got a bunch of stuff about grafting old branches back onto it. It's, it's a big picture of, of salvation in the end, that it's for the Jews and for the Gentiles. And for a time, there's been a temporary hardening of the Jewish people's hearts so that the Gentiles can come in. And so it's this big elaborate thing about God's ultimate plan. It's very confusing, and it's, it's a lot to understand. And then Paul drops this in verse 33. He says, oh, the depths of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how, and how inscrutable his ways. Verse 34 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who is his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to, be, to him be the glory forever. Amen. So, what I want to grab from this, what I want to talk about from this is, is the fact that there are pieces of God that we are never going to understand. The deep down parts of his ways and his wisdom and how he goes about things on a grander scale that are far outside of our reach, those things are hidden from us. God's ultimate plan of salvation, how it's all going to fall out, how it's all going to work, how it's all going to come together, that's beyond us. The mind of God, the, to, to be able to think on his level, is beyond us. We're, we're not wise enough to counsel God, is what Paul's saying here, and he's quoting from the Old Testament. We're not on his same brain wave. And so there are pieces of God that are always going to blow our mind. We're never going to be 100% sure on how to wrap our brains around stuff like the Trinity. We're never going to be 100% sure on how to wrap our brains around stuff like Revelation. Um, I don't care what theologian you would hear to, he's not 100% right because nobody is. It's a bunch of analogies about something that's happening in the future. We can't be 100% right on it. Um, to prove that point, Jesus says that no one will know the day or the way that the Son of Man will return. Jesus himself says, I don't know. That's God's. So if Jesus don't know, we don't know. You can guess. You can make educated guesses. And you can get pretty close, I'm, I'm sure. But nobody knows 100%. So it's those things, those mysteries that God has purposely hidden from us that we're never going to be able to understand. But I don't believe that's where God wants us to sit. See, there's a reason why those things are hidden, and there's a reason why the things that he has revealed are revealed. Because God wanted to give us enough. God wanted to give us enough so that we could have that intimate relationship with him. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point of this message. God has given each one of you enough enough of his nature, enough of his character, which, and it's, it's not just like enough, like you're scraping by, like it's, it's, a, it's a, a buffet of knowledge and intimacy that you can choose from to, to, to dwell in piece by piece, and it's going to take you a long, long time to really absorb it and bring it all in, but God has given you everything that you need to have an intimate, working, understanding relationship of who he is. 
Everything. Everything you need. It's been revealed by Jesus. It's been revealed by nature. So I'll leave you guys with this question as the band comes back up, um, sings one more song. I challenge you guys with something. I said earlier, you're as close to God as you want to be. How much do you want to be? That's my question. Because Romans would say we have no excuse. We have no excuse not to know God, not to understand God to the level that we can. It says, you know, for what can be known about God has been revealed. It is clear. How much do you know about God and why don't you know more? It's okay to not know everything, but it's not okay to not do anything about it. It's not okay to not do something about it. And so tonight I ask you, what's getting in the way of you knowing God better? Is it a lack of desire? Is is it a lack of asking questions? Are you not plugged in the way that you should be plugged in? Because I'm telling you, every Wednesday night and every Sunday night, you're going to get pieces of who God and Jesus are. You're going to get that. But you've got to be here. Is it a lack of reading? Is it a lack of understanding how to read? What is hindering your relationship and your knowledge of who your God is? If you call Him Lord, if you call Him Savior, and you don't know who He is, that's a problem, guys. That's a problem. It's not okay. You cannot sit in that. You cannot dwell in that. You've got to go after it. God's done His part. New life is doing its part for you guys as much as we can. And we're not perfect. We're not. But we're doing everything you can. We've got leaders that try everything that they can to pour into you guys twice a week. Are always open to questions. Always open to help you guys. The only thing left in that is y'all's part got the resources. So what I'd ask you to do tonight is repent of anything that's holding you back. To let go of anything that would be holding you back from your relationship and knowing who God is. Because if you'll let yourself get rid of those things, if you'll abandon those things that hold you back, as we look through this series, you're going to find out that there is a God who loves you intimately and you're going to find out that He has a character that He wants you to know. There's details about Him that He is just excited to let you in on. But you're going to walk away from this series with whatever you put into it. Father, I'm so, so grateful that you have given us enough to know who you are, that that what can be known about you, what can be known in in our our feeble minds, our our small minds, God has been clear to us. This, This has been revealed by nature. It's been revealed by your son. God, that you're a God that wants us to know you. That blows my mind that you would, you would care enough for your creation to want us to, to not just worship you and not just bow down to you and not just praise you, but you give us enough of yourself. You are vulnerable enough in yourself that you would give us access to be intimate with you, to be like friends. Jesus, in the, in the high priestly prayer, calls his disciples friends. He says, I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you disciples. I call you friends. We're on the same level. We're doing this together. We're in relationship together. I call you friends because we know one another. We love one another and there's relationship. And that's exactly what you want for your followers. 
where we can go confidently before the throne and say, I am a friend of God and I have no reason to fear my Lord and Savior because he loves me as a son and daughter. He's adopted me into the family. I have no shame. I have no fear because my father is the one that can take care of everything that holds creation together, that wants to know me intimately, that lets me know him intimately. There's nothing more beautiful than that. Nothing. God, so I pray for these people. I pray for myself, God, that we would, we would journey for the rest of our days only wanting to know you more. Father, I ask that you change this people. I ask that you change me. I ask that there will be a fire that would burn deep in these people that know you more and that whatever it is that would be holding them back, they would, they would get rid of it. God, maybe they need salvation. Maybe there's one here that needs to know you intimately, needs to have a relationship with you because there's nothing that can be known about you until you are saved. Until you are born again. God, so I just pray that you do whatever it is you've planned to do here tonight. God, that you would work, that you would move. And that we would leave here knowing you better. I should never pray. Amen.